Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. I've made a a lot of westerns in my time, but never one like The War Wagon. The War Wagon is a story about friendship and understanding. You're worth 12,000 to me. Dead. And 100,000 alive. The War Wagon is a story of happiness. (laughs) It offers you a little action. Generosity. (laughs) A little fighting. The war wagon is a story of humility. Mine hit the ground first. Mine was taller. In addition to Kirk Douglas, we have Howard Keel, a mighty colorful Indian. Robert Walker, an expert with high explosives. Keenan Wynn. <laughs> Joanna Barnes. What's your pleasure? Stud. And good old Bruce Cabot. I want Todd Jackson dead. Keep your eyes off of my wife. Your wife? Oh, I thought she was your daughter. Well, she ain't. A drunk kid and a crazy old man. How the hell did I get out, all of you? I didn't bring you here to be the best of friends. We're an inch away from gunning each other down, but first we have to take the war away. Well, that's what this picture is all about. How a handful of men can work up the guts and ingenuity to tackle a fortress on wheels. Hey, this is Chip Foos, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Rock on. (laughs) 
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Running your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you miss any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Dot com. That's where we save all our 600 and, I think, 70 shows now, something like that. I got to look. Close. That's an impressive number, I got to say. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, over 14 years. I mean, there's some guys that are out there, you know, they're they're knocking them out every day. But, you know, um, it's just their boilerplate type, you know, shows that have the same old questions and I liked uh, Freestyle. I remember when I had uh, Denise McCluggage on our show back in, I'm going to say around 2012. And uh, it was a real interesting show, and she talked very slow. And back then I used to do 30-minute interviews at the bottom half of the hour, and then I wised up and figured out that, well, hey, this is my show, and I don't have commercials other than a few, and I'm not relegated by a clock or anything like that, or I shouldn't say relegated, um, dictated by you know we can kind of we're kind of freestyle but anyway the, the the style i use is more of a conversation style and uh with a little bit of exchange and uh and that just seems to work for me you know the q a thing i'm not into that you know i mean that's just uh it's just so standard and so boilerplate i like to let the guests kind of you know be themselves a little bit and feel but comfortable i will say this much though before i started working on your show i've listened to the show a few times before i jumped on board to to take over for bobby and i gotta say yeah, for some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. <laughs> you did! I like that. I so like that. Hold on, I'm going to move this jack over. Did, I, did that change anything? I don't know. His, his, the reason he's saying that is because he's messing with his ear phones uh, in the studio just to uh, let the listening audience yeah yeah, yeah yeah because we have uh well you know it's just it's mechanical it's technical you know sometimes i hear sometimes i don't it could be my ears they could be full of wax i don't know anyway hey we got an exciting show for you tonight i got a very special guest coming on and we have a really interesting topic you know if you guys follow the auction circuit the classic car circuit um so uh we got a cool song we're going to be playing here shortly, too. But anyway, so over the weekend, what do we do? Uh, no car shows, nothing particular, nothing going on. But the upcoming events, of course, if you want to find out what's going on in Florida, go to flacarshows.com. But the Pittsburgh Grand Prix is coming up in a couple weeks up in Pittsburgh. I've never been to that. I am looking forward to attending it this year. It's uh, a 10-day, I'm going to say it's a motorsport extravaganza. But by coincidence... Shelby American, SAC, Shelby American Automobile Club, is having their event, their 43rd, 46th, 47th, somewhere around in there. Um, I'm bad with numbers. It's a son of age. Anyway, I was going to say, how is a car guy bad with numbers? Is there like a correlation between the two or no? No, I don't know. It's, okay. I think it's just me. You know, who knows? Uh, I'm, just, right. I'm, I'm aging. But they did say they have a cure for dementia now, so that's that's hopeful. Okay. You know, they're not Alzheimer's and all this other stuff. But anyway, so the Pittsburgh Grand Prix is coming up. Ten days, but Shelby American's going to kind of kick it off with the vintage races and their races. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in between, and then there's another uh, historic races at the end of that week. So it'll be interesting, and Pittsburgh has changed quite a bit from what I'm told. Um, a lot of big cities are, you know, a lot of tech industry moving there. But we have a gentleman coming on next week, and we're going to be talking about that. At, and then, of course, uh, 4th of July is coming up, so we got a special show for that, or for you guys planned for that. Um, hopefully everybody had a great Father's Day over the past uh, Sunday. I know and, I did. And a belated happy Father's Day to you as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm always, I always forget the week before, so I kind of remind myself the week after. Right. 
But, but as long as you remember it, yeah, same that's thing. It. See, all right, so I'm, I haven't totally lost my memor- memory. No. Memor- memory. Mem- whoa, whoa, hey. Anyway, um, <laughs> almost said memory there. <laughs> got a one-track mind, dude. Anyway, uh, and then, of course, we got Meekum coming back in July. They'll be in Orlando, because uh, not in Kissimmee, in Orlando, actually, this time at the uh, convention center. I went last year and the year before. It was pretty cool. And then, of course, in August, third week in August, is the Monterey Collective Card Week. We're always looking forward to that. That's huge. And uh, then we got Rent Sport Reunion is again, uh, which is Porsches, in Monterey, and that is the end of uh, September. And then, of course, then we have SEMA coming in November. And a whole bunch of little stuff coming in the meantime. Barber Motorsports, our good friends over there, they got their uh, fall festival motorsports thing coming up. Just a lot of, lot of good stuff. I mean, you can't go to every show, but it's kind of nice to be able to pick and choose and go to some really, really cool ones. Um, and then those are the ones that are kind of memorable. Um, what am I appraising here? Well, let's see. I've got a 69 Mach 1 that I'm working on right now for a gentleman. And um, we'll tell you about that. It's factory four-speed car, factory 351 four-barrel, factory fold-down back seat, factory air conditioning. So that's kind of like the Mac Daddy of small cars, factory Acapulco blue car, black deluxe interior. All Mach 1s had that, obviously. And, um, you know, and it's a pretty nice car. Really, really, really nice driver. I was kind of impressed with the car. Earlier this year, I did a 70 Mach 1, 351 Cleveland four-barrel, Automatic car with air, one owner, original owner car. So, real interesting. I mean, and that car was done, you know, match numbers. Obviously, both of them were, you know, they detailed everything underneath on on the seventy. But this this sixty nine is just, you know, it's undercoated and, and flat blacked, and you know, it's but it's but the the again, this is where I'm going with it. Do you want to spend the money and have your car restored, and then you have basically a trailer cream because then it's too nice. You know, and you're not going to show it, but you want to drive it and enjoy it. Well, this guy bought a car, paid a little bit less money for the car, got a got a good value. But it's a very, very nice, presentable car. But who cares about the undercarriage? Who cares whether everything's 100% correct? But it is very correct, I should say. Very correct looking. And uh, fairly solid. I mean, it had quarters replaced, a few things like that, and some sheet metal work. But overall, the fit and finish is very, very nice. And the car's very cr- – and it drove very, very nice. So it's kind of a cool piece. But anyway, on that note, I'll go into that uh, on another show a little bit more in detail because I've just started doing the appraisal and all the research on this car, which I do. takes a little time. But keep us in mind here at uh, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. That's our website where we do all our automotive stuff. And uh, you know, if you need an appraisal, diminished value, or total loss. In fact, I just, real quick side note: I had a gentleman. I did a '89 uh, Mercedes 560 SEC. Got tapped in the rear. Actually, got whammed in the rear, but wasn't real bad. Still buckled the car. Still did some structural damage to the car. Anyway, this went on and on and on and on for about four or five months. Finally, I got a text from the gentleman the other day, and uh, and it basically said something to the effect that. I just want to say thanks. It took us four or five months to get this thing going back and forth with State Farm. Um, But through your efforts and your advice, State Farm paid me the full amount of the diminished value claim, which was actually substantial because this is kind of a collectible car. And uh, so he was tickled. So, But you got to fight the insurance company. If you want to get paid, you know, if your car has been hit, crashed in an accident, it's not worth what it was before the accident. Somebody owes you for the lost value of that vehicle. That's called diminished value. And it falls under the state law as far as property damage. 
So, and there's no need for you to not get indemnified, that's the legal term, which basically means reimbursed for the lost value of your vehicle. Because otherwise, when you go to trade that car in, you're going to get five to $10,000 less. I mean, right off the bat, if you got paint job issues, let's just say minor stuff, dealers are lazy, most of them are, and they'll just say, they'll just knock five grand off. They won't tell you why, but they will. You know, they pull the Carfax on it. The Carfax is a double-edged sword. It works to your advantage as a consumer, but as a seller, it'll kill you. So that's just the way that is. Keep that in mind. And if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call or contact us through GolfstreamMotorsports.com. And on that note, let's play some Motown. How about some vintage Bob Seger? Early Bob Seger when he was with the uh, the Herd. Which is, hey, something, which is stuff you don't hear very often. No, you don't, no. But you do hear on Nostalgic Radio and Cars because we do play the classics, the true classics. If you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, don't touch that dial. I'll be right back with our very special guest for the evening. Beneath the bare light bubble bush, she gazed into the eyes of love. Bathed in the dirty neon light, she begged him, don't go out tonight. If we work hard somehow, maybe, we can find a way out, baby. And he left and said, I got to go. And she cried, no. I won't hurt no one Oh baby, when you gonna learn Them folks uptown got bread to burn When they see me flash my knife They'll be fearing for their life They won't give me trouble inside, no And she cried, no Oh, Johnny, Johnny, no Johnny, 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 no Okay, we're back. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is legendary in the world of custom and classic car building and design, and he's from the Motor City, or you could say Motown, since we're playing some little, uh, some. well, we were only going to do some Motown music. But anyway, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Chuck Miller. Chuck, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Robert. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. So did uh, did that song good. from Bob Seger, did that bring back some memories from the 60s? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> they always do. They always do. Did you ever go see him in concert or any of the other guys, you know, MC5 and people like that? Uh, Seger, I saw him. Did you? Yeah, okay. I saw him. Oh, boy, that was probably 70, something like that. It's been a while, though. Yeah. 
So take us down the uh, road of history for Chuck Miller. Tell us who Chuck Miller is. Well, I know who you are, but my listeners don't. So uh, why don't you go ahead and and, uh, and and edumacate them a little bit and tell them a little bit about your story. Well, first, I'd just like to say I feel honored to be on your program. Oh, well, thank I you very much. The, I, I looked at the list of people that you've had on, and I just think, wow, that's that's good. So well, I, I really feel honored, truthfully. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a compliment. Yeah. Well, anyways, oh, boy, where do you start? Um, uh, well, you built models. Always, when you, were, you were building models, and that's uh, then you, were, you, you got bitten yeah. by the bug. That's, that's it. So... No, I were I was building model cars in my parents' basement. Oh, probably I was ten, eleven, twelve years old, and like you say, the bug got me, and I just kept doing it and kept doing. It. In fact, I still have some of the models that I built back then. I, that's how I guess different it is or weird about it. But um, no, I started building model cars, and then uh, when I was sixteen, I bought my first car. And uh, you just couldn't wait to get your license and your first car, because that was great. Uh, anyways, that was a 50 Ford Coupe. I paid $35 for it. And uh, I wanted to start customizing it. Well, my neighbor uh, down the street from me, he had a body shop. So I started working with him in his body shop after school. And uh, he would let me work on it after hours and weekends and things like that if I wanted to. So I started customizing it and door handles and sunken antennas and roll pans and things like that on it. Uh, I finished it in two years. That naturally took that long after school. And then I was uh, 18 at the time then, and it was all done. Well, I had met the Alexander brothers customizing brothers here in Detroit, very well known, in fact, all over the country. Anyways, I talked to them about it, and they said, well, bring it out, and we'll shoot it for a magazine. So one Saturday, I drove it out to their shop, and um, uh, they shot it up for rotting and restyling in May 61. And uh, that's when it came out, and I was still in high school at the time. So I just thought, wow, does it get any better than that? That was great, the Alexander Brothers. And uh, it just started from there. Um, Had that car when I was 18. I traded a friend of mine near my shop where I worked. Uh, He gave me a 55 Chevy postcard and $100. (laughs) So I figured, that's a pretty good trade. So I took the 55 Chevy and I started customizing that naturally uh, door handles hood deck all of that lowering it handy candy wild cherry back then uh, then I sold that and I was always doing that you know uh, buy one fix it up sell it and uh, my boss Dean he was real good about it he would let me work in the shop at weekends and nights and then uh, he decided that he wanted to move to Florida. My shop was oh, a suburb of Detroit, just south of Detroit. And um, he wanted to move to Florida, retire, whatever. And um, he told me if I wanted to uh, take over the shop, I could buy the shop for what he owed at the paint store. He owed for paint and sandpaper, primer, stuff like that. 
And uh, if I wanted to take over his paint bill, I could have the shop. So I was 20 at the time. And I talked to my dad about it, and uh, he just says, well, do you think you can pay for it? I says, yeah, I think I can. So I was only 20, so he had to co-sign for me. So uh, that started it. I was 20, and I had my own shop. And uh, at the time, I mean, geez, I'd do anything. I mean, it was car lot cars to fix a fender or I'll paint your refrigerator or anything. (laughs) I've, I've got a light bill due, you know, a gas bill due. The utilities, so I would do anything I could, but in the back of my head, I still wanted to do the custom stuff. And I started doing custom work for, you know, just friends and things like that, and uh, that's 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 how that started. I would just do whatever I could to keep in the customs, but uh, insurance work or whatever to pay the bills. Then, okay, uh, in 70 or 64, I bought a new El Camino, and um, naturally, I started customizing that, and um, uh, it was old hood, deck, door handles, interior, painted candy. In fact, that was on the cover of one of the magazines as well. It was a vermilion over white pearl. So anyways, that, that was fun, and then I got into doing other cars, too. Um, but during this time, I started, um, I would be at Autorama. Autorama here is the big deal um, for custom and hot rod cars in Detroit. And it's usually right around, back then it was January, February, right in there. And uh, I would enter my cars in the show. Um, and Bob Larrabee, back then, he was the big time promoter all over the country. He had shows probably every weekend, somewhere in in the United States. So I would do small repairs for him. They would maybe, they would lease cars from like Barris, Roth, you know, people like that. And if they got damaged, you know, off and on trucks and what have you, um, he would bring them over to me and I'd touch them up real quick so they could get back into the show. So I started doing all that stuff for Larrabee and, um, uh, and just doing things like that. And then uh, I was doing, uh, as well, um, show cars for Chrysler. They would call them just lacquer jobs. And this would be for uh, the new cars would come out, like 68. They would uh, send me over a, a duster, roadrunner, charger, whatever. And we would detail all the body panels, any little... Uh, bad spots in it if you want to say because back then quality control was terrible (laughs) and they would do anything just to get it out the door and uh, there'd be caulking hanging down all over the place and a couple runs and just they were not that nice so what we would do is we'd straighten out the body do all of that prime block prime block and then paint them the same color uh, purple yellow green whatever it was then they would put it in the new car show so people go to the new car show and they say, oh, boy, look at that. Look at that paint on this. Boy, this are nice. I'm going to buy me a new charger. <laughs> so they run down, buy a nice green metallic charger, and they get it, and it's orange peeled and quality <laughs> was not that good. So I was doing that, you know, for Chrysler for, geez, a few years doing that. But in the meantime, doing custom work, too. 
I got I got to ask you this. So okay, so when you were tidying up those cars for for Chrysler, their pilot mm-hmm. cars or pre-production cars or show cars, display cars. So you yeah. were basically knocking the paint off, priming it, and then repainting whatever the factory color was. Were you jamming them too? I mean, going into jams under the hood and in the deck lid and under the hood and stuff like that, or are you just doing the outside? Not so much the hood and deck, but the doors. Okay. Yeah, because maybe if it was on a turntable at the show, the model should maybe open the door or okay. whatever it is. You know, So we had to have the jams nice as well. Okay. But we would thoroughly blow the car apart. All the moldings, everything came off. Well, that was time-consuming in itself, though. Oh, yes, it was, yeah. (laughs) And they want it right now, you know. So, naturally, when you're dealing with companies like that, they want it now. They don't want it here. It's going to take a month or whatever, no. But uh, I did that for, I don't know how many years, doing stuff like that for them. So was it actually... was it actually cheaper for them to farm it out to you guys than actually have it done in-house? I mean, people always ask that question, you know, because, you know, Ford did it, Chrysler, General Motors did it, obviously, and that's how a lot of these outsourced companies, custom car companies, kind of like yourself, how you guys kind of were able to network and build your relationships with, with manufacturers. Yep, all the companies, Ford, GM, Chrysler, American Motors back then, they all, they all did it. Okay. And uh, they all farmed them out, and it's it's cheaper, easier, faster, everything to farm it out. Okay. You're you're doing it in house. You got the union and all of this. So no, it's easier to farm it out. Okay. Cheaper. So, anyways, I was doing that for how many years? But in the meantime, still want to do custom work. Uh, in '68, um, I wanted to do something different for Autorama Detroit show. So uh, I built a C-cab uh, hot rod, if you will, uh, and it was called the fire truck. And it was a C-cab, a 289 blower, all of these things on it, and candy red with a, a gold and white interior. And I entered it at Cobo Hall at the time, and um, I won the Riddler Award with that in 68. Oh, wow. So I just thought, well, that's cool, you know, so... Um, in fact, uh, MPC, uh, they made a model of it. Yes. So, yep. So that was going good. I thought this is really, really what I really wanted to do. So now Bob Larrabee, big time promoter, he was at Chicago doing advance work for, you know, the Chicago show coming up and all of that. Well, while he was there, they had a toy show to where all of your big, companies, they would bring their new models and introduce them and uh, model kits. I mean, back then, models were big. And um, he saw the model of the Red Baron. And he just thought, wow, that's really cool. Wonder how that would be to build a real one. So he got the model, brought it down to me at the shop, and he said, uh, told me he was at the model show and all that. And he said, do you think you could build this? And what am I going to say? No, no, I, absolutely, I can build that, Bob. So, I guess after he saw that I won the riddle, I guess I had some credentials enough to do that. So, anyways, I said, "Yeah, I can build that." So he went back to Monogram Ravel and said that we want to build this real one. Is there any problem with that? And they said, "Absolutely not. That's only going to sell models, so that's going to be great for them." So. I uh, started building that, and that was completed uh, for the Autorama 
in 69. I might want to um, throw in here that the, that the yeah. Red Baron was designed by Tom Daniels. And, yep. uh, and of course, he was a guest on our show a while back. Did you ever get an opportunity to meet Tom Daniels, by the way? He did some of the other cars you did. Uh, yeah, I met Tom. Well, in fact, we finished the Baron, and uh, it went all over the country. Well, it went to uh, California to the Roadster show there, uh-huh. and that's when, when I met Tom there. Okay. When uh, the car was there for the first time, and he came and looked at it and gave it his, his blessings and all of that. And he liked it. Yeah, he did like it. So uh, that's the Baron, and that went all over the place. And Larrabee said to me, he said, you know, if I'd known it would have gone over this good, I would have built two of them, one for the East Coast, one for the West Coast. So, and in fact, it's still still around. It's at uh, the Speed, um, Speedway uh, Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska, Museum of American Speed. Okay. And the, and the fire truck, that's at the Galpin Collection in California. Okay. So that's where, where those two are. Okay, well, that's in, uh, so it's at 69, 70. After that, um, uh, there was a young gentleman from uh, Ohio, Dennis Johnson. He was a big modeler, and he built uh, models, and he would enter in a model car contest in Detroit. And he built a little Volkswagen and um, whatever scale, real small, and it had the motor coming up through the roof and really wild with big tires and small ones in the front, the big rake. And they call, he called it a zinger. So Mr. Larrabee saw that and thought, that's cool. So same thing. He got with the model company and said, how would it be if we built the real ones? They said, absolutely, they would go for it. Dennis Johnson, he liked the idea as well. So uh, Mr. Larrabee came down to me with the Volkswagen, says, can you build this? And I sure. <laughs> and uh, that's the Volkswagen Zinger. And uh, it is a one-half scale body with full-size everything else. The, the motor, full-size tires, wheels, and it's just, if you've ever seen one, it's really wild. Roof, uh, the engine comes up through the roof of the Volkswagen. Then right after that, uh, the Corvette Zinger. Um, then I did that one for the show circuit, and then it came along and did the Dodge van, roof uh, motor coming up through the roof of that. And then the last one I built was the Semi. Um, and the same thing with that, two blowers, and they're, they're wild. If you've ever seen them, they're, they're pretty wild and pretty catchy. There were six of them built all together. I built four of the six. Steve Tansy in Indiana, he built the dune buggy and the dragster. And they're, they're still around today. And they, they'll go over really, really well. They've had them at SEMA, and it just stopped the crowd when they saw them. They just thought, wow, that's really wild. So that was in the 70s. And um, then uh, Chrysler... They were big in promoting, you know, cars and hot rods, stuff like that. And um, the ISCA, they wanted to do something different for their awards. And when you showed a car at the shows um, and you win maybe best paint or best engine, best interior, you would get points, so many points for each award you won. Well, at the end of the year, you know, you're the winner. 
And they really wanted to give away something different for a change. So they talked to Chrysler, and um, they said, we want to give a car away, a, a, a roadrunner. So I did a 68 roadrunner, and they called it the Roadrunner Probe. And that was a giveaway car. At the end of the year, they gave it away. So that went over real good with Chrysler. They really liked that concept. So the following year, talked to promotions again, the Laravee, and said that we want to do it again. And they said, okay, we want to give away a, a CUDA. Now, I want to add here real quick that ISCA yeah, is sure. International Show Car Association, so people know what that is because they don't know. Oh, who I'm it. sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no, yeah, no, no, that's okay. No, yeah, but it is ISCA International Show Car Association. Okay. Well, they, they like the idea. Now they want to do another one. So Barracuda was new at the time, 70. So they, uh, um, promotions, that was uh, Mr. Larrabee's company, Promotions Incorporated. So talk to Chrysler and say, well, we want to give a CUDA. So had Harry Bradley in California at the time, big time designer, used to work at GM and different companies like that. And he was a very well-known designer back then. So he designed what was called the Sonic CUDA. So they brought me a brand new CUDA with Harry Bradley's renderings, said, well, here, customize it so it had uh, oh a different front end on it uh just a, a different mouth in the front with the hidden headlights behind the grill had a blower uh blown inject in with zoomy pipes on the side parachute in the back and things like this then isca they would tour it at the car shows and that would pump everybody up you know uh boy i hope i get this many points and points for this points for that I could win the car. Well, at the end of the year, a gentleman here, a very well-known builder, Jerry Pennington, he won it. So, um, and he had it around the shop. It was just a shop car. I ran into his son at a, um, a swap meet a few years back, and I said, whatever happened to that? And he said, ah, oh, we had it around the shop, and we'd just go get parts in it or go pick up lunch, whatever. It was just a car. Well, let me. So anyways, they, well, yeah. all right, let me ask you. So let's go into detail on this a little bit. Okay, so basically, you built the car, and mm-hmm. then was it a running, driving car when you got it, and then you had to do your thing, or was it basically a roller when you got it, and then when you were done, you shipped it to somebody else, and they put the drive line in it? Oh no, they 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 drove it down to the shop and said, "Here it is." With the blower and everything yeah. on it? No, 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 no. It was a bone stock Barracuda. Oh, okay. That was it. Just. A Barracuda. So we cut the hole in the hood, put the blower on. We did that at the shop. So all um, that was functional. So it was a functional blower and everything on it? Uh, or was it just for looks? What was it? What? Yeah, what size motor did the Sonic have in it? Was it a 318, a 383, a big block, small block? I think it was a 383 automatic. And tell you the truth, it had a carburetor inside the blower. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to look at it, Nobody would know the difference. All the fuel lines, everything. It had the wine and everything. Okay. And it was practical to drive. It was a four-barrel. Okay. Automatic. And because uh, you always get an automatic when you're doing a car like that because it's off and on trucks and trailers and all of this stuff, and you don't want to have to mess with a clutch. Right. 
So, anyways, Pennington, he won it, and he drove it around for so long. And then uh, I asked his son, I said, what would you do with it? And he said, ah, we sold it to, it was called back then, The Treatment. And that was a wax company. And uh, all wax and polishes and stuff like that. And they used it. They drove it. And they drove it to fairs and carnivals, to wherever they could set up to sell their polish. And they drove it. Then after they used it for a few years, they just mothballed it and sold it. So nobody knows where it's at. We tried to find it back in 2010, but no luck. Hmm. There's always rumors about it. Oh, it's uh, it was pretty wild paint on it. It was all ribbon painted back then, the style back in 70. Right. There's rumors that it was painted black and in Arizona... Then uh, somebody else said it was candy red, and it's still in Detroit, but it's never surfaced yet. Okay, so that's the Sonic Cuda. And um, then um, Chrysler wanted to do a road show, a dealership show. They um, came to promotions again and said, we want to do a road show of Mopars, Plymouths. And uh, it'll be a dealership show to where we'll go to this dealer in this town for three or four days, set them all up, tear them down, go to another city, set them all up, tear them down, go to another one all over the country. So they came up with the idea of, uh, it was called the Rapid Transit System, RTS. Um, There was a Cuda, Duster, Roadrunner, and a Perdome funny car. I did the, the funny car. I just painted that uh, yellow pearl at the time because uh, naturally you're under the gun and there's no time. So that's all we had time to do is just paint it yellow pearl. But the Cuda they brought me, um, that was pretty wild. It was similar to the Sonic from which everybody thinks it's the same car. But it's 100% no, it's two different cars, the Sonic and the RTS. Front ends are close, but a little different in certain areas. The rear end as well, the taillights is a different treatment. So they um, uh, they showed these four cars, Roadrunner, Duster, Cuda, and the funny car. They did that all over the country, dealerships. Well, 71 comes along, and they figured, well... We, uh, we have a new Roadrunner now, the 71 Runner, to where the 70 was more of a, a box, square style. Nice, but square. They came out with the 71 Runner, and that was more rounded, smoother, softer contours to the body. So they wanted to do a new Roadrunner. So they sent that over to me, and I customized that for them. I painted it orange and white pearl. It had a whole different front end, uh, hood, deck lid, roll pan in the back. Just, it's really a cool car. Then they say, well, geez, we can't show this Cuda again this year the way it is. We got to do something to it. So we'll just paint it. Well, now we go back to the 70s. All the paint back then, lacquer, acrylic lacquers. <laughs> and the first version, it was white, silver, lime, and charcoal um, went over good. Everybody liked it, but 
come 71, they couldn't do that again. So they sent me the that car back to my shop, and I had to change the colors on it. But naturally, the way companies are, we, we don't have a lot of time. We need it quick. So I didn't have time to strip it from what should have been. So all we could do was sand it as much as we could and just get as much material off as we could and prime it, sand it, seal it, paint it. And this one, um, it was painted um, white pearl to start. Then it was a blend from front to back, orange to white. And then the back end was orange to white going forward. Just a reverse blend. Did they give you, did did the manufacturer, did Chrysler give you the latitude to kind of pick the the theme to it? Or was that? uh, um, No, that was Harry Bradley. Oh, Harry Bradley. Okay, fine. Harry Bradley designed all of the RTS cars. Okay. All of them. It was his his deal, and uh, all I had was a piece of paper with the drawings on it, the sketches, and the colors that he wanted. And Chrysler bought off on it and said, "Yep, yeah, that looks good." So that's what I had to go by for my instructions, and I painted it just the way Harry designed it. And um, they uh, had those for, well the whole year. They dealership shows again seventy one. Then um, those cars were mothballed and just put away. Um, that's in 71. Um, they were just put away. Okay, nobody knew anything about them. Okay. Well, now you get to late 70s, 80. I was still doing a lot of stuff in the shop. Uh, paint jobs, candies, pearls, what have you. And uh, PPG, they started doing the IndyCar World Series. And uh, doing that, they had to supply uh, a pace car. Well, they couldn't be partial to Ford, GM, Chrysler, American Motors, whatever. So they had a car of each company. And I did uh, one for them. It was American Motors. It was uh, AMX. And um, I did all kinds of custom work to it and painted it with, naturally, all of their materials. So they toured those uh, for a couple years, and then they started adding to their collection of pace cars. So um, there were four GM, all of them, and there was even a Ferrari, a one-off Ferrari that I painted for them, a uh, red, bright red. Oh. So they used these for, they had the IndyCar World Series for nine years. And then they decided to drop out, so that's, that's where that happened. But during that time, um, they didn't, they wanted to get into these custom colors too, tri-coats and base coat clears and all of this. So they asked me, how do you paint pearl? Well, I kind of schooled them on how you do it. You know, you put two or three base coats and then you come back with three or four coats of pearl. Then you come back five, six coats of clear. And that's, that's how I do them. And they thought, boy, that's really good. But the company sure isn't going to do that on production on the line. So they whittled it all down to where they base coat, put a clear coat, and then the clear coat. So, but PPG at the time, they didn't know how to paint pearls. Then they finally figured out how to do it into production. So I kind of, if you want to say, helped them develop that whole system. Okay, so now that's into the 80s. So now we go back to Chrysler. These cars are mothballed now. Uh, these RTS cars, they were parked in a parking structure in Detroit. 
big parking structure. They would put a car cover over them and think, okay, they're secured now. That's it. Well, the word gets out, and you have a security guard maybe watching, a, you know, doing his beat, watching and looking at the cars, make sure nobody's messing with them. Well, uh, people start talking, you know, and maybe the cover blows up a little bit. And he sees what the car is, and he talks to somebody that somebody to somebody down the line, and the word gets out about these cars. Well, um, I ended up buying the Roadrunner that I built. So I had that Roadrunner. And it was all legit. I had titled Chrysler, everything. Bought it. That's it. So I had the car. They had the Duster and the other, the Square Roadrunner. They all got loose. They just kind of got out of the mothball and somebody bought them. The Cuda as well. Well, that was it. So now those cars are all gone. Somebody has them. So now... Steve Giuliano. Uh, At the time, he was in New York, and then he moved to California. Well, he was a big collector um, of all kinds, Cobras to muscle cars and Mopars he was big on. And he just thought, boy, I like Mopars. I got to start collecting these RTS cars. So he found out about me owning the Roadrunner, and uh, he bought the Roadrunner from me. Then he found the duster, and he found that one, and um, bought that one. And um, the duster he had, the Roadrunner he had, and then uh, he bought the first Roadrunner as well. So he uh, and the Cuda or the, the funny card that just went away. Who knows where that's at? But now the Cuda, the RTS Cuda, uh, he couldn't find it. Nobody knew where it was. It was. It was somewhere. So anyways, word gets out, and um, he found out who owned it. So he would try to get a hold of the gentleman that owned it. So he would call him, and uh, I understand you have a CUDA. Click, it hang up on him. Hmm, wait a minute. So he would call him back again, maybe in a few days, and... um, he didn't want to talk to him. Anthony didn't want to talk to him about it. So anyways, uh, he finally got a hold of his son. His son answered the phone one day. And he said, uh, I understand you have this car. Could I come and look at it? No. Well, could I have a picture of it? No. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, this is going to be hard. So he uh, pursued it, and kid would hang up on him. So he called him back later on another few days, week, whatever. He had called him back, and he says, um, what kind of car does your dad like? And he says, uh, it was a, a Mercedes or BMW or whatever. His father, they were from Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of into those cars. So um, Steve said, okay, tell your dad to go down to the dealer, pick out whatever he wants, I'll buy it for him, and I'll give him a whole bucket full of money. Click, hung up. So that's how that went. (laughs) So anyways, it finally got out to where the car is, uh, and um, it just started from there, and then it surfaced uh, about a year ago. The only one Steve couldn't get. Okay. 
Uh-huh. So oh. we have about five more minutes. So we got to... Okay. So I'm going to tell you the, the, the conclusion of the RTS. Yes. Okay. Well, it was found. And um, in the meantime, Anthony, the owner, he he's in a nursing home. The state appointed an attorney for him to take care of his well-being. They sold his house. They had that money. And now they want to sell the car. So she had to get bids on the car to sell it. So she got bids on it. And uh, a gentleman bought it. High bidder. And then um, uh, I had the, the car here, in fact, at my my shop here. And um, he come to look at the car. And he says, okay. You know, he liked it and everything. And he said, I'll have it picked up. So a few days later, had it picked up. It went from here to Houston to the Mecham auction, and they uh, debuted it, if you will, or uncovered it, and finally they hyped it up. You know, they found after years, 50 years, it hadn't seen sunlight. So they hyped it up and says, coming in, uh, what, May at Indy, the CUDA will be there for auction, no reserve. So they pumped it up. So at the Indy auction and uh, last month, um, it went up for for sale at no reserve, and uh, it just well, me it blew me away. Huh. So when they they started, I mean a hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred, all of this. But when that hammer came down, it just floored all of us. It hammered at two point one million. Incredible. Yes, it is. And I was, I, 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 you know, you're lost for words. When it got to a million, I just, I thought, wow, that's really something. I never thought I'd be involved with anything like that. But then when the hammer comes down at twice that amount for two million, everybody was happy. Yeah, everybody's happy. That's kind of the story of the RTS. That's and just... the Sonic Cuda. And... People think it's the same car. It isn't. And that whole front end is sheet metal, not fiberglass. Did so. you handcraft that? We got about a minute and a half yet. Did you handcraft yeah. that or was there a, did you use a, any kind of a mold? No, no. It was all handmade, all of it. Yes. Wow. I made that that whole front end, like I say, it was all sheet metal, all welded and Yeah, both of them. And people think, oh, that's just a fiberglass front, but no, it isn't. It's steel. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chuck, um, there's more to the story. So what we're going to have to do is I'm going to have to invite uh -huh. you back because okay. you've got. I mean, you know, you're you, you're very familiar with the whole uh, Motor City. I'm going to say custom car uh, mm -hmm. era. Okay, 60s, 70s, and, and a lot of those cars were pretty cool. And, of course, we didn't even get into the Corvette, which I want to get into, and some other cars. Oh, yeah. So what I would like uh -huh. to do is I would like to invite you back. Um, I know I've, I've got a show next week, but the week after or something like that. So what I'll do is I'll correspond with you, and we'll do part two. 
with Chuck okay. Miller. And then you can tell us about some of the other really cool stuff. And then I'd like to go into some detail about the cars. Yeah, because a lot of my guys that listen to the show uh-huh. are car people. They actually work on their cars. So, you know, you can give a few pointers and stuff like that. So that I would really appreciate it if you would uh, accept my invitation to come back and uh, hang out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I would be glad to. It would be an honor, really, Robert. Well, thank yes, you very I'd much. I'd love to. Okay. Keep in touch. All right, All right, we'll do that. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. We're up against the clock. The checker flag's coming down, and uh, okay. body shop doors are closing, and it's time to go get a beer. <laughs> Sounds good. You take care. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank my special guest, Chuck Miller, uh, legendary custom car builder designer, and uh, he gave us a scoop on the 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 rapid transit system CUDA, the one that just sold at uh, Meekum in May for $2.1 million. Amazing. So, and now, don't forget now, and I'm sure my good friend Mike is listening, <laughs> and I, I, I keep names, last names private. I don't want to, you know, it's proprietary, stuff like that, but um, I think he's on a new quest now, and I think his quest is going to be to try to find the Sonic Cuda, and I don't blame him. I would definitely like to get my hands on that car, too, because there's nothing more exciting and uncovering, uh, you know, it's kind of like your your car archaeologist, you know, uncovering something really, really cool that's significant and truly a piece of history, you know, automotive history, you know. And so guys like Chuck Miller, you know, they were around back in the day. And, and then, you know, of course, a while back we had Tom Daniels on. And interestingly enough, Tom Daniels designed many, many cars for Monogram, which uh, many of those cars, including the Red Baron, became real cars. But what we forgot to tell you is that Chuck is actually building another Red Baron. Okay, so he's doing another and some other, and he's recreating the Zinger. So he's got a lot of cool stuff in uh, in the works in his little shop. So in the meantime, I want to see some of you guys out there some of the car shows. Don't forget to get out and drive your cars. I gave you a list of some of the shows that I'm going to probably be attending if you're in and about. But in the meantime, uh, get out there and floor some cars, burn some rubber. Hang some gears, you know, all that cool stuff, you know, that we used to do. Just do some really, really neat stuff, but just don't get caught. Anyway, in the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Clearwater FM 106.1 WDCF Dade City FM 102.3 Listen.